Well, this morning we are continuing our new series, uh, Vertical Love. Uh, we're thinking about this idea of poured out love this week. Our passage is Romans chapter 5 and verses 1 through to 8. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to this passage. I'm reading from the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. The words will be up on the screen for you too. So let's examine what it is that Paul says, starting in verse 1. We read, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions, because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want us to begin uh, this morning uh, by thinking about the big picture of this series. And from there, we're going to zoom in on our passage. And then we're going to focus in on one particular verse within the passage. Um, our series is Vertical Love. And this is nine weeks looking at the nature of the love relationship that we have with God and with one another. Uh, this series is divided into three parts. And each part is like a three-week mini-series. Uh, today is the final week of the first part. The first part being God's love towards us. Next week, we're going to start the second part, which will take us through to mid-August. And that's titled, Our Love Towards God. And then in the final three weeks, we're going to focus on the horizontal dimension to this love. And we're going to be looking at our love to one another. So, as we finish this first section, looking at God's love towards us, let's take a moment to reflect on what we've already looked at, because it informs, it fuels, it helps us as we think about our passage today. Uh, two weeks ago, we began by thinking about initiating love and during that time we were thinking about how it is that God chooses us and how God adopts us into his family and how that is a sweet sweet truth and we were thinking about how God has also given us a God glorifying purpose that we should walk into and so we have responsibility to be attentive and to be faith-filled as we pursue God in the midst of all that happens within our lives and then last week TJ examined this idea of redeeming love and how Jesus became the satisfying payment for the wrath that was due to us because of our rebellion against God. Um, and what I found so helpful from what TJ shared was that picture of a voucher. Um, how when a voucher is redeemed, value is given to that piece of paper. And in the same way, when we are redeemed by Jesus, we're also given value. We move from sinner to saint. Paul describes it in this way, we are new creations. The old life has gone Behold, the new comes. So God initiates this love. God redeems through his love. Um, and so as we understand more and more the reality of this, we can then come to a place where we can recognize that God has also poured out his love into our hearts, which is what our passage speaks about, in particular in verse 5. Uh, Paul says, God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who is given to us. 
God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You know, if I was to describe this verse in one word, it would be this experience. I wonder this morning, what is your experience of experience, particularly when it comes to church and your understanding of the Christian life? <clears throat> if you were to have an experience when you gathered with other believers or when you were alone with God, what would you think about that? How would you feel about that? Would you be comfortable with an experience of God or would it make you feel awkward? You know, my guess is, and I say this based on a fairly short lifetime of conversations that I've had with other people, is that we, how we understand this question on whether experience is relevant and important to our Christian walk is often heavily influenced by what we've observed or went through in the past when it comes to church and our understanding of the Christian life. Now, before I go any further, <clears throat> I recognise that some of us this morning do not have faith in Jesus and we've never really had any kind of experience of church or the Christian life. So let me just say from the very start, welcome. This passage and this verse are so important for you today as you continue to try and work out what the Christian faith is all about. This is highly relevant for you and I do believe that all that we talk about would apply directly into your life as you consider what God says and also as you consider your own situation. And for some of us, maybe um, we've had a lot of time We've, sorry, not had a lot of time in years as a Christian. And so we're still forming our understanding about our role of experience within the Christian life. So this is just, we're at a stage where we're still trying to work out the importance of experience. We're not really sure what our experience of experience is when it comes to the Christian faith. And then there's others of us, um, we know what we were taught about experience and the role of our feelings in the Christian life from growing up in a particular church. And that may have been taught explicitly or implicitly. Um, but for some of us, we recognise that we're creatures of our context um, or we're creatures who have reacted in the opposite way to our context. And the Christian life, the Christian church has often went uh, in one of two ways when it comes to this issue of experience. Often um, it's manifest in two different extremes. On the one extreme there are churches who have opted for knowledge instead of experience. Um, I think of my own upbringing. Um, I wouldn't say the church I grew up in was super extreme in this way, but experience was definitely not talked about. Um, feelings about God and the gospel were not encouraged. To express the experience of God that you had or you were having in your life would often imply that you are light in the Bible. Growing up, I heard many people say from the pulpit and in conversation, don't trust your feelings. Experience is not important. And then on the other side of the scale, the other extreme, which is not something that I've witnessed growing up, but it's maybe something you can testify to, are churches that have opted for experience instead of knowledge. The extreme version would be experience irrespective of how that matches up with the teaching of Scripture. As long as an experience has been had, then that's a sign that God has turned up. I think of a friend of mine who was part of a church where some folk were wary of too much Bible during the meeting out of a fear that this would in some way dampen or diminish the work of the Spirit. They misused a verse like 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6 where it says, The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now the fruit of these two extremes, and I intentionally use the word extreme here, is that more often than not, churches that receive knowledge 
and reject experience become dead and dry, and churches that receive experience and reject knowledge become crazy and weird. And in both these ends, the devil is one, but we don't see this within the early church. What we see in scripture is this beautiful blend of both knowledge and experience. The two go together in a way that's profoundly biblical and incredibly transforming. In Acts 4 and verse 23, immediately after Peter and John have been persecuted, something amazing happens. We read these words. Um, after they were released, they went to their own people and reported everything the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together to God and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David, your servant, why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, <clears throat> whom you anointed, to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. So do you see what happens here? The persecution of Peter and John forces these early believers to get right into the word of God. It causes them to pursue knowledge, to pray the scriptures together and out of this, an experience, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They speak the word of God boldly. In fact, it even says that the place shook. What an experience that would have been. So what I'm trying to get at this morning is we're not a church at DVC who are experience over knowledge or knowledge over experience. No, we are, as God's people, knowledge and experience. We believe that they're inseparable, two different wings of the same birth. And this is none more so reflected and evidenced in Romans 5 and in verses 1 to 8, where we witness Paul speaking of God's love towards us in a particular way, in a way that ought to characterise the life of every single Christian. You might describe what Paul says about God's love towards us in this passage as almost like a dance between knowledge and experience. It flows so well together. It never seems at any point like any one of these ideas, these principles, are separate from the other. So let me share what I believe are three important realities from this verse. As we focus this morning on God's love towards us as being an experience and an experience that we can enjoy and delight in. So let's read verse 5 again as a main verse within the passage that we're going to focus on. Paul says, This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I just want to suggest this morning, I believe this morning, that this verse speaks of an experience and not an idea. This verse speaks of an experience and not an idea. It's fascinating when you look at this passage in more depth, you'll see how Paul uses arguments as well as descriptions of experiences at different points. And they all seem to fit together in a way where they all seem to be interconnected. So let's look at this passage for a moment. Starting in verse 1 and just going down through the passage, 
Paul says in verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What we have here is a fact. Anyone who is truly in Christ can say this. We're justified by faith, redeemed by God. What TG was looking at last week, it's an objective reality. It's not dependent on how someone feels or what someone experiences. But notice also, there's not just a fact here. There's peace with God and peace is both a theological truth and something that we can experience within our lives. And then Paul moves on in verse 2 and he says, We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We have obtained access in the faith. If you have faith, faith in Christ today, then you have obtained access to God through Jesus. This is a factual description of a spiritual reality. And Paul continues in this verse to say that we boast in hope. Some translations would say that we rejoice in the hope. It's clear that this is then experiential. To boast or to rejoice in the hope is to outwardly convey what you inwardly feel. Paul continues in verses 3 to 4 and he says, And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions. Because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. And again, very similar to the previous verse, our boasting, our rejoicing, leads to hope as it goes through the doorway of affliction and suffering. The Christian life is therefore fueled by experience here. And in verse 5, our focus, Paul describing what, is, what it is that God does within our hearts. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, it's not like God's love has been poured into our heads. It doesn't say that. It's God's love has been poured into our hearts. It's something we feel. It's something we experience. And this then leads us on to verses 6 to 8. And don't miss the first word of verse 6, which is the most important word. Whenever you see a four in your Bible, understand that it connects what went before with what goes after. Paul writes, For where we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his love, his own love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And again, notice that Paul moves back to argument and to fact in his last two verses. We understand these sentences in verses 6 to 8 as ideas, something that God has done for each one of us, an objective reality. But again, notice how it's connected to the experience of God in verse 5 through that word for. All that to say experience and knowledge are clearly two different parts of this passage. But there are also two interconnected parts, not just in this passage, but in all of the Christian life. Knowledge and experience are both really important, and knowledge and experience both strengthen one another. Knowledge paves the way for experience, but there's also something about the experience that makes knowledge alive in a way in which we never believed was possible. This is what John Piper says about verse 5 of our passage. God's love poured into your heart is not the same as God's love proven to your mind. It's good to have ideas, it's good to have conclusions, it's good to have logic, it's better to have an experience. It's better to taste the love of God 
because the Holy Spirit has poured it out in your heart. So this is the first point um, I want us to be focusing on. This, this verse, we need to understand how important it is in light of all that we read within this passage. This verse speaks primarily of an experience and not an idea. And number two, uh, this verse can be fully relied on and not easily dismissed. This verse can be fully relied on and not easily dismissed. What do I mean by that? Well, this description of God's love being poured into our hearts is a definite description and more importantly, it's a definite experience because it's rooted in a theological truth. It's connected in verse 5 to the theological reality of verses 6 through to 8. I experience in my heart the love of God being poured into my life, verse 5, when I identify with the fact that whilst I was still a sinner, verse 6, Jesus died for me. When I recognise, verse 8, that God proved his own love for me and that while I was still a sinner, Jesus died for me. I'm just trying to say the same thing in many different ways here. The more and more I dive deeply, deeply into the truth of the gospel, the more and more that God, through his Holy Spirit, will pour afresh his love for me into my own heart and that will be literally life-changing for me. You know, you can't have an authentic experience of God's love without an authentic realisation and meditation of what Jesus has done for you in your life. So this is why we pay attention to the words that we sing during our worship time. The worship band, the guys there, do a great job at identifying the songs that we sing, recognising the songs have to be rooted in good, sound, biblical doctrine. Because we want you to both know the gospel and feel the gospel. And it's God through his Holy Spirit that ignites all of that. He determines when, where and how his love is poured into our hearts. In a way that makes us into the people he is calling us to be. When I say this verse can be relied on, what I'm trying to get at here is that we don't need to worry about whether the experience and our feelings are of God. When what we experience and what we feel is rooted in scripture. is deeply connected to the reality of the gospel. Most feelings are trustworthy because they come from a good source. So we can be reflecting in verses 6 to 8 and then in a moment through the Spirit, our hearts well up with this warmth and experience of peace, hope and joy. And we can know with absolute certainty that it's of God because the source of this feeling is His Word. I say that because some of us perhaps are hyper wary about our feelings. You might experience joy in your heart after spending time with Jesus. And then you might be wary about it, cautious of it, not sure if this really was of God. But if God gave us the ability to feel and experience, if these are gifts from him, then he will redeem how we feel and experience for the glory of his name. And surely our lives can be such that God's love is something that we know and feel simultaneously. Surely we can understand more clearly the fact that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us in a way that we never could before because the Holy Spirit at the same time is pouring the love of God afresh into our hearts. You know, I love uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones' description of God's love towards us. And this in, in many ways is a testimony of his life and what ought to be a testimony of your life too. If you have faith in Christ today, Jones uh, writes these words, A man and his little child are walking down the road. And they are walking hand in hand and the child knows that he is a child of his father and he knows that his father loves him and he rejoices in that and he is happy in it. There is no uncertainty about it all but suddenly the father moved by some impulse takes hold of the child and picks him up 
fondles him in his arms, kisses him, embraces him, showers his love upon him, and then he puts him down again, and they go on walking together. That is it. The child knew before that his father loved him, and he knew that he was his child. But oh, the, the loving embrace, this extra outpouring of love, this unusual manifestation of it, that is the kind of thing, the spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So you see, we won't always have this intense experience of God's love all of the time. We will at times need to rely on what we know from his word and trust and believe that God's word is true because in that particular season we don't feel anything of God's love. But there should be moments, even regular moments, where we experience what John says here, the loving embrace, this extra outpouring of love, this unusual manifestation of it, the spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So understand that this verse in verse 5 can be fully relied upon. Uh, and finally, point number three, um, this verse calls us to be attentive and not dismissive. Let me be very clear in saying this morning that the love of God being poured into your heart will not be achieved with the right kind of music, whether that be style or substance, or the best crafted or delivered sermon, or the person who's doing their very best to live as much as they possibly can for Jesus. Um, no, the love of God being poured into your heart is only ever achievable through the Holy Spirit. This verse, uh, this verse calls us to be attentive and not dismissive. Let me be very clear this morning uh, in saying that a love of God being poured into your heart will not be achieved by the right kind of music, whether that be style or substance, or the best crafted or delivered sermon, or the person who's doing their very best to live as much as they possibly can for Jesus and for the glory of his name. No, the love of God being poured into your heart is only ever achievable through the Holy Spirit. And this is exactly what it says in verse 5. God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Nicky Gumbel says that if he was to have one synonym for the Holy Spirit, one word to describe the Holy Spirit, it would be love. The Holy Spirit is love because God is love. And the relationship we have with the Holy Spirit is very much connected to the extent to which this verse is an experiential reality. Let me share a couple of verses on the Holy Spirit and how this relates to what we're looking at. Uh, Paul writes in, in 1 Corinthians 12 and in verse 3, Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You know, it's, it's so important we understand this morning that it's only those who have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them who are truly saved, genuine followers of Jesus. Christian life is a miracle. It's only in the power of God's Spirit that we can live this way. This means that verse 5 of our passage is everything. Without the Spirit, then God's love has not been poured into our hearts. And without God's love being poured into our hearts, then verses 6 to 8 are not true for us. We are in fact not saved. Christian life is one that has to have at the end of it some kind of experience because if there's no experience then it's just an intellectual affirmation of what God has done 
which is what Satan and his demons have. This doesn't mean, as we've already mentioned, that you will always experience God's love. Nor does it mean that our experience will be the same as others. Some of us have fuller cups and cups that are more regularly full. Others of us have cups that are less full. Some of us are perhaps unaware of the extent to which our cup is full. What this means is that an important part of a Christian life is the experience of the love of God being poured into your heart. It's not everything, but it's important. It's really important. We're a people who both know and feel the gospel, however intense or subtle that may be for us, and whatever season we find ourselves in. So I'm going to ask you this morning to be attentive to this verse and to not be dismissive of it. If you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of his sin and to give you his Holy Spirit, then let me invite you to do that today. Open up your life to Jesus. Recognise that while you were still a sinner, he died for you. Thank him for us. Ask him for forgiveness and respond in faith, believing that what he has done for you is enough for eternal life. And watch through this moment how the love of God being poured into your heart becomes more and more real to you as you journey towards him every single day. I want to encourage you to click on that button and to respond to this amazing news of Jesus. Receive his life and watch how your life transforms for his glory. There's going to be someone uh, to pray with you and to pray for you as you have that courage to click and to recognise that you need Jesus uh, today. And if you're watching this recorded, then you can do so by contacting us in info at denisonbaptist.co.uk. Let me just say, be attentive. If you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, be attentive, respond, walk in his light. God has a very best plan for your life and may it be so that you respond in faith today. Second passage I want us to share and to focus on is Ephesians 5 and verses 18 to 21 that speaks of the work of the Holy Spirit within our lives. Paul says this, Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, this be filled by the Spirit in the Greek is a present continuous, meaning it's keep on being filled by the Holy Spirit. What this means is that there's a holy and daily responsibility here to be living a life that walks in the way of the Spirit. A life in the Spirit is simply a life in the will of God. It's you asking a thousand times in your day, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to say? God, where do you want me to go? And then relying on his strength to do that. You're conscious of what the Spirit might be saying, where the Spirit might be leading in every single moment of your life. And all the while you're basking in the amazing truth of what Jesus has done for you in your life. Your life is a manifestation of that incredible gospel reality through blessing and suffering. This is what it means to be filled, to be Spirit-filled. And it's this kind of life that will make Romans 5 and verse 5 a reality for you. Now, don't misunderstand that. That's not us manufacturing this verse through your obedience. We can't cause the love of God to be poured into our hearts. No, it's more like this cup. Uh, imagine our lives are like this cup. And when we live a life in the flesh, then the lid is closed and God's love will not and cannot pour in. But when we live a life in the Spirit, then we open up the cup, the lid comes off, the Spirit pours in. We have a greater experience of God's love. The gospel becomes real to us in a way which we never experienced before. 
But notice it's God and only God who determines when he pours. We have to be open, yes, but he is the one who is always pouring into our lives and ultimately he is the one who decides when we need this overflow. This starts with prayer. If you're a believer and you want more of this love, then do take the opportunity to click on the prayer button this morning. Um, just at the side there, during this worship time, let someone from the prayer team pray for you as God through his spirit would do a work in you. And to the Christian and non-Christian, my encouragement to you would be to be attentive to all that these verses are saying so that you might have the fullest understanding and experience of God's love. And may it be both. May we know God's love and may we, with all that we are, experience God's love. And we're now going to respond to this word uh, through song and we're going to sing of this gospel reality. And as we do so, may we rejoice in the fact that God's love has been initiated for us God's love has redeemed us and God's love can and has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. There's nothing more important and there's nothing better than that. So what are you waiting for? Respond to Jesus today. He has the very best for you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. And Lord, we recognise that this is a passage that is deeply practical. Lord, we pray that we would have open cups uh, this morning we would be open and available to what you might want to do within our lives. And Lord, we pray that you would give us all that we need to live a life that is for you, that glorifies you, and that shines you to a lost and helpless world. We pray, Lord, that you direct our path through this time of worship. We pray that we would have courage to respond in prayer, whether we're non-Christian and we want to give our life to Jesus for the first time, or whether we are a believer and we want to just have a greater and deeper experience of you, we ask that you would do this in the power of your Holy Spirit. We commit this time to you, Lord. Bless as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. God bless. Let's respond and worship now. <laughs>